Good morning again. Um, by a show of hands, who did their homework? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so just a reminder um, regarding the the um, you call it homework, you can, <laughs> whatever you like to call it, the handout that I gave out for for everybody to do in regards to the your vision for Joy Christian Center. We have more copies on the back uh, table next to the offering plate. And I would ask specifically, just so nobody forgets, is there anybody here that needs one today? Could you raise your hand if anybody doesn't have one and needs one? Yeah? Can we pass that out to Maria, please? Just because it's so easy to walk out and forget to grab one. We'd rather just make it happen now. Thank you. So those things, I've, I've got a few of them. I, I don't know if, if we have any rebels that just don't want to do it. <laughs> I know that I know there, there always is a, is a few. Um, but I just want to say, I've gotten a, a handful back. Not too many, to be honest, but the ones I've gotten back, I have had, it's been such a joy reading them. To get to know your hearts a little bit more deeply, to get to know your passions, your your hopes for Joy Christian Center, and it, it helps me know, I know what God's doing in me, but it helps me know what God's doing in joy in each of you and in joy in general. So please, I, I would love it if, to get those back from you all as soon as possible. Um, again, it looks like this. It says, what is your vision for Joy Christian Center? There's about eight or nine questions. And um, I look forward to reading those when you're able to get those back in. And um, as we start today, I want to say we also, I don't think we have these out, but we can also get you a copy of this as well. This was what I put together for the, the Vision Sunday, the Vision Casting Sunday. And it gives a quick overview of the, what I believe the calling is on Joy Christian Center and the vision that, that I have for Joy Christian Center. You could also, if you didn't listen and you want to get a little more um, understanding of the vision for Joy Christian Center as I presented it on the 26th, at, on the website, of course, is the sermon. You could listen to that. Or you could just listen to me because I keep regurgitating it every, every Sunday because I didn't want to just say a vision and leave it. I wanted to kind of reinforce it for a few weeks and break it down a little more clearly. So last week, I broke down a little bit of the first, if you want to call it the, the three-step calling or the three-part, three I'm sorry, three-part calling. The first one is that we would seek and love God first. And we talked last week about how that is done in abiding in Christ. As Jesus is the vine, we are the branch, we abide, we connect to him, live connected to him. And as we abide, that's how that's one of the ways we are seeking him with all of our heart and we are love I'm sorry seeking him first and loving him with all of who we are. This week we're going to I'm going to try to elaborate on the second part of our calling which is to equip the saints. And if you remember the sermon that I that I that I uh, gave on the 26th I I gave uh, I offered a metaphor of what I, the, the vision that I have for Joy Christian Center in regards to how, in, in regards to how we're going to equip the saints. And I, I see Joy Christian Center as a training camp, a training camp. It's more than that. I talked about how it's also a well. It's a well in the sense that we, we um, go to, we, as we abide in Christ, we are filled with living water and people can come and be restored at the well. So it's a well, but it's also a training camp. And I want to explain, break that down a little bit more today based off of a specific, specific scripture that talks about training. So before I do that, though, before I, before I uh, get into the passage for today, which is in 1 Timothy, if you want to start opening to that, 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 16, I want to give us a little bit of context of the book of 1 Timothy, because anytime we're researching the Bible, we need to not just know the verse or the passage, but we need to understand a little bit or as much as possible of the context. So the context is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to Timothy, 
one of his disciples, of course a disciple of Jesus, but Paul brought him up in, in the faith and taught him. And he, as Paul went on a mission journey to Ephesus, Paul eventually left Ephesus and left Timothy in charge of the church in Ephesus, which was a a big church, an eclectic church, because Ephesus was such an eclectic, big port city. So as Paul leaves and knows some things that are going on that are are not the way they should be or or things that are going on um, around Ephesus, he he, uh, sends the, the letter to Timothy to basically warn him of some false teachers, to, to encourage him in his faith, and to, to just, just um, help him to find some structure, to, to give him some insight about structuring the church as well. <clears throat> so with that said, that's where Paul's coming from. And then the text the, the five verses right before where we are in, in 1 Timothy 4, Paul is warning him, Timothy, of the false teachers and how false teachers, false doctrines can lead people astray. And then we get to our text this morning. 1 Timothy 4, starting in verse 6 through 16. Paul tells Timothy, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So as I discussed, as I said, I believe JCC is called and the future, part of the future of JCC, Joy Christian Center, is to be a training camp. Why? Because we are called to equip the saints. If you don't believe me (laughs) um, in that that we're called to equip the saints, um, I want to... um, steer you to Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And I, I can say it. You can go there if you'd like. It's up to you. But in verse 7, let, let me say this first. Verse 7 of the text we're reading today tells us, Paul says, train yourself in godliness. So as we come to this text in Ephesians, it, it, it breaks down what this looks like. For one, who are the ones that need to be trained and, and why? And and what is godliness? I feel like this, this uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 helps us understand that so that we can get that foundation so that we can start understanding more as we look more into this passage today. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says, this is Paul again, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry For building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this text talks about, and I I spoke on this two weeks ago, it talks about how God gave a bunch of what we would often think about as leaders, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, 
ministers. We would often call those the ministers, right? The, the laity and, and the ministry, those in ministry or the ministers. But that whole concept that has been, has been um, birthed in, in, in the church over the decades and centuries is, is not an accurate understanding of who is a minister or not. If you notice this text, it says God gave the evangelists, the teachers, the pastors, the prophets. Why did he give them? To equip the saints. So who are the saints? The saints are all of us, all of you, every believer on the, in the world, on the planet, and in Joy Christian Center. He gave the leaders, if you want to call them, as ministers to equip the saints. Why? For the work of ministry. So you don't, you don't get a pass out of, being, uh, out of ministry. If, if this text is true, and do we believe in the Bible? Yeah. So, so we're believing this. We are all ministers. Now some have been given teaching gifts, leading gifts, to equip all of the ministers, all of us, all the saints, for ministry. But we're all ministers. So just like Paul is equipping, is talking to Timothy, telling him, to, be, to train in godliness, we, as ministers of the gospel, all different parts of the body of Christ with different giftings, we are all called to minister, we all need to be equipped, and therefore we all need to train. Okay, so that's, that's foundational. We need to understand that we are all ministers and all called to train. So, and then what is godliness? He, he breaks that down for us as well in Ephesians 4. He says, that we're all called, you know, he's given all these, these leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, and then he says, ultimately, for the, to, to build up in maturity into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what is godliness? What is a better picture of godliness but to walk as Christ walked, to live as Christ lived, to, to have the attributes of our Lord Jesus, the one who we want to be as close like as we possibly can be, right? That's what we're, we're, we're working towards as we train in godliness. We're training to be more like Jesus, to be built up in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, all right? So foundational, we are all called as ministers, therefore we all need to train in the gifts God has given us and in, in godliness, and we the godliness that we're pursuing and training towards is to be more like Jesus. So, if that's the case, now that we have that foundation established, let's look again to the text, Ephesians 4, 6 through 16, and, 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 and understand better this whole idea of training in godliness. We want to break it down, open it up, dissect it, and understand it better today. So, first of all, Verses 7 and 8, Paul tells Timothy, he urges him, he, it's basically a command from a, from a spiritual father to his son. He says, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. So I really appreciate this, this um, language that Paul is using here as he's He's paralleling this idea of physical discipline, physical training, with spiritual training. And I think it's such a, a strategic way of presenting it because sometimes we just need some, to, to understand the spiritual, we, we, we need to connect it to something we already understand. And I really appreciate that about Paul in this situation. He's, he's using the physical training um, as a parallel to understand the spiritual or, or training ourselves in godliness. And as he's talking about training in godliness, sometimes we need to be better understand the words that an author in the Bible uses, right? That you've, you may have heard in regards to Bible study, word studies, where we study a word. We, we might look at different translations of the Bible and see what other translations have said about it, because usually that means that there's more than one interpretation for that word, or that word means more than one thing. So as we look this word up, train, which right off the bat you realize it's, it's, it's directly connected with physical training as we think about it, the word that Paul used. It's, 
the Greek, and it's not far from our English. It's hymnazo or gymnazo. It's if you think of where where that where we get the word gymnasium from. So right away we realize it's this physical training type um, lingo type type um, word. And if you look in other translations, other translations of this text use the word discipline and exercise. So we are, we are uh, in verses, verse 7, it says, train yourself for godliness. In another version, it says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And in another version, it says, exercise yourself toward godliness. So, so again, we, we have this lingo of, of, of disciplining, exercising, training ourselves in godliness. So what is the intensity? I think that this text gives us some clarity about the intensity. Like, are we called to go to the spiritual gym and do like five minutes of stretching and, and doing some, late, like some squats real quick and like, I'm good, that's, that's as intense as I'm going to do my spiritual training right now in godliness. That's not at all what the text tells us. And we have, to, we have to look deeper at the text to understand the intensity of the training that Paul's talking about. So what is Paul saying here? He says in verse 10, For to this end we toil and strive. So speaking about godliness, he says, For to this end, for the, the end of growing in godliness, we toil and we strive. So what does he mean by those words again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote one of the commentaries. Uh, the commentary is a New American commentary. And I want you to listen to these words. The, the commentator says this. The word for strive presents the picture of an athlete putting the last ounce of his energy into a race in order to victoriously reach the goal. That is intense an intensity of training that, he, that, that Paul's talking about here. And then he goes on to, the, the commentator goes on to break down the tense, the tenses of these two verbs. And he says these tenses, for both verbs, it suggests a continual outpouring of this energy. So it's almost like if you think about a, a, a race, right? A, a long race, let's say f- um, five miles. The last stretch, right? People put everything they have into getting to, that, to the finish line. And it sounds like Paul's talking about putting that type of intensity continuously in your life. Seeking after godliness. Training yourself in godliness. Now that sounds not doable, right? That no athlete can do that and live. They will not be living long if they're intense, um, pushing themselves that intensely. But the the commentator, I appreciate what he says, he or she says, a consciousness that we are in a harmonious personal relationship with the living God lifts us into a sphere in which labor and striving have no power to distress. And I think a better way of breaking that down in light of what we talked about last week is as we are training with intensity to seek God, to know Him more deeply, and to strive to become more like Christ, uh, what we are mainly doing, how we start that training, is, as we talked about last week, abiding in Jesus. And as we are abiding in Him, there is no more rejuvenating, restorative place for us to be. So while we're striving, if, as, as long as we are in the vine, we can strive and seek him with, as, as um, if you remember, Matthew um, 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then in Matthew 22, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then uh, in Luke says, with all your strength. So we think of that, we read over that, love the Lord with all your, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, and it's like, okay, let me just keep reading. We don't realize the intensity that to love something or somebody or God with everything you have, every ounce of your being, with all of who you are, and to be doing that first, to be seeking Him first above all other things, this is the calling we have on our life. And as 
initially overwhelming as it may sound, the reality is as we draw close into God's presence, we are rejuvenated and find all the fruits of His Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are able to rest in God's presence and therefore can intensely seek after Him and train in godliness without burning out. So verse 15 also, speaking of intensity, verse 15 says, practice these things and immerse yourself in them. Again, when you look up words, it's amazing what you can find. And, and sometimes you'll look up a word and it, it will, every version of the Bible, it'll be the same word, translated exactly the same. But I'm, gonna, I'm going to break this down <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you where, what version, each version it is, but you can ask me if you, if you want to know. But in regards to verse 15 where it says practice these things, so the verb practice. If in the other translations it says this, meditate on these things, be diligent in these things, give your complete attention to these things, take pains with these things. And then in regards to the word immerse, if you look at other versions, other translations of the Bible, this word, this word can be translated multiple different ways. You can say, it can be, instead of immerse yourself, it can say give, you'll know what version this is, give thyself wholly to these things, right? King James Version. Be absorbed in them, be committed, be diligent, devote yourself, give yourself entirely, give yourself holy to these things, to practicing in godliness. God is not calling us to a whimsical walk with Him, to a haphazardly, I, I wish I would have written it down. I didn't know if I would use it, but now I'm going to. I'm going to uh, hopefully remember it. You can help me if you remember better than me, Sonia. We, no pressure, yeah, right? We were, we were reading it from the message. Uh, Eugene Peterson's Translation, and it's, I believe it said some, something like this. I know one of the words was in there. It said, we don't want a flabby, flabby discipline or something like that. We don't want a flabby discipline. That was Eugene Peterson's translation of devoting yourself fully and immersing yourself in him. In other words, it, 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 it's an intentionality. It's, it's an intense devotion to training ourselves in godliness. And what is, and Paul also speaks to the scope of this training, right? To the scope of this training. In verse 8, it says, he says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So the scope, it's not just about, you know, in this world, um, I used to love to work out. I still love, but I, 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 I enjoy it, but I can't for, do it as, with the intensity that I had for different reasons. But nonetheless, I used to really enjoy it. And I weighed 20 pounds heavier than I am right now, and it was muscle. And guess what happened when you stopped? It goes away. <laughs> so that, this, that I'm getting to the scope. The physical training has benefits. For our heart, for our health, it's good. I'm not telling you don't do it. It's good. If you ever want to invite me to your gym, I'll go and we'll, we'll exercise together. I enjoy exercising. But, but it, only, it only lasts for so long. In fact, when we move from this life, this temporal life, to our eternal life with our Father in heaven, all of that didn't, doesn't, doesn't come with us, right? Those muscles or whatever, that, that thin waistline doesn't come with us um, necessarily. Or maybe it does. I'm not positive it. I don't think the Bible talks about that real clearly. But what we do know is the scope of our, of our training in godliness is that it benefits us in this life and throughout eternity, right? We know that it benefits us throughout eternity in our next life as well. So how does it benefit us in this life? Well, first of all, we've talked about how we get filled with the, the Spirit of God and, and, the, and in His 
presence, as we, as we abide with him, we begin to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. So as we become more loving, more joyful, more patient, more kind, we, everybody around us gets blessed by that transformation in our lives, right? So it affects us in this life. Training in godliness affects us in this life. Another thing that affects, affects us in this life, um, a month ago, we were, for a couple weeks, we were talking about our understanding of who God is and our identity, who we are in God. When we are training ourselves in godliness, all the, the ideas, all the realities of who God is, our faith in him grows. Our understanding of his strength and his power in our life to sustain us, to provide for us, to encourage us, to, to the, the, the scripture that says, if God is for me, who can be against me, comes to life. And it affects our life to where we, in faith, can walk this life trusting at peace with life or death, because death no longer has a sting when we are abiding in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of our Father. So it transforms our life here and now. And like I said, we get the benefit and everybody around us gets the benefit. It also re reveals to us, reminds us our purpose in this life. It, gi it gives us a purpose, right? As we know who God is, as we know God's word, his plan of redemption, as we know who we are in his plan of redemption, we find purpose, which gives us joy, gives us life, gives us hope, and puts us um, in a place to use the giftings he's given us. And I, I've already implied this, but to explicitly state it, in this life we get the blessing as we train ourselves in godliness of being in a closer relationship with our Father. To be close with our, our Daddy, our Abba, Father, which transforms us again in, in all those ways, the fruits of the Spirit and peace and joy and all these things. And in the life to come, we are, are receive eternal life. We experience eternal life. And, and even in this life, going back to how it affects us in this life, we are more confident and more insightful about the fact that we are going to live, live into our eternal life. Because if we're not abiding in Christ, it's easier to doubt or to fear or to question our faith, question our standing with God in these things. So now we're going to look at what Paul says here about our reasons for training in godliness. So in verse 15, he says, so that all may see your progress. And it sounds like, like uh, you know, oh, you know, in one way we're, we're taught, we know the Bible talks about not doing everything in front of people, not praying in front of people, not fasting and trying to make yourself look good. So it's surprising, maybe in a way that Paul would say, so that, that everybody will see your progress. But understanding the context Timothy was a young man. We don't know exactly how old, but he was young enough where Paul had to tell him, don't, don't you know, be held back and don't let people judge you for your age, your young age. And we have to um, remember that it, as, we, as he needed to see, basically this, everybody needed to see his progress to, for him to get more, for people to be more confident in his leadership. But for us, how that, how that pertains to us is that as people see the progress within us, it becomes, not only does it bless them, as, as we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, but it's also a natural witness in our life. Our life becomes a natural witness to those around us as they see the progress in our life. As people ask us, what is going on with you? You're not as irritable at work as you normally are, or you've been so nice to me lately, what's going on? Or why did you serve me dinner um, so lovingly, whereas usually you just throw it on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, whatever it may be, people see the progress, and it's a natural witness for God's power and love in your life. 
And then the re- another reason for training in godliness, verse 16, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So we've talked about how we are called to seek, to, be, to equip the saints, and to go and make disciples. So we are a missional church here at Joy Christian Center. And as we, as we train godliness, we are able, as we draw close to God, we are able to help draw others, be used by God to tell others about his love, others about his power. As we know, as we talked about, as we know him more deeply and know who we are more clearly in him, we are more naturally inclined to want to tell others about him. <clears throat> and then I love this, this reason, you know, reason for living and training in godliness. Verse 10 says, because we have our hope set on the living God. Because we have our hope set on the living God. So I could be up here and I could be telling you guys, okay, so, so we as Christians, the Bible tells us we should read the Bible and we should pray more and we should do this and we should, we should do that and we, we need to uh, pray at least a, this long a day. And, and I could just guilt you and shame you all and, 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 and give you so many shoulds and you, 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 you ought, so many oughts that you guys are just overwhelmed and... But why? But why, do, you know, but why do I need to do all these things? And I want to say that it's not about the live, living, the Christian walk, walking with God, walking as a follower, as a disciple of Christ. It, should, it should, should not start with shoulds and oughts, but with, with the reality that the reason we do these things is because we have our hope set on our living God. And as we have our hope set on our living God, again, as we're training in godliness, as we see who He is, we love Him more deeply. And as we know who we are in Him, we're, we are, we are more, more bold in who we are in every way and, and, and what we do for Christ and in Christ. And we get to, we fall in love with our Father is what it comes down to. The more, we, the more we know him, the more we fall in love with him, the more we, we, get, we want to be with him, and the more we naturally want to do all these things that some feel like we should or ought to, but it comes natural because we have our hope set on the living God. To seek and to love him first, to abide with him, to glorify him, because we realize that Jesus is the center of it all. Jesus is the center of it all. And we want his, his salvation in our lives. His love for us and what he sacrificed for us transforms us to want to train because we have our hope set on the living God. So why do we struggle? Why do we, we, we uh, go with this intensity this intensity of training, this intensity of seeking God. Why do we do it? Again, we don't do it because of shame. I'm not trying, I hope you never hear me shame uh, or put shame out there. That, that's, or, that's not where I want to come from. God is so good and is so big and is so loving that his love should be the thing that draws us towards wanting to train. But the reality is that some people don't train some people don't train in godliness, Christians, for one, because sometimes we're not told we sh- it's, it's a thing. <laughs> we're not told it's a thing. Some of us we do because we never, we had this misconception about who are ministers and who aren't. Why do I need to train? That's, training is for the evangelist. They train. Training is for the pastor. Training is for the elders. I, I, I'm not a minister. That's a misconception. So, so I want to clarify that. If nothing more, you've learned today that you are a minister of Christ. You are a minister for the Lord. And in that ministry, I'm letting you know you are called to equip yourself 
You are called to be equipped by your body, by your, by your church, and you're called to train in godliness. You are a minister. But, but the reality is, is that sometimes there's things that cause us to hesitate to train and hesitate to believe that we are ministers or that we could be useful in the kingdom of God. You could call these, and, and, and Paul in this text, I'm bringing them up because the text either explicitly or implicitly discusses or talks about these perceived disqualifiers for ministry or, or reasons we might, not, might stop ourselves from even training because we don't feel worthy of doing so. So one of them is in the text, verse 12 says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. So Paul needed to let Timothy know, yes, you're a young man. Yes, most of the people that you're working with might be older than you. But do not let that hold you back. So I want to, I, I hope that that speaks to us today specifically regarding age, that there is no age that dis disqualifies us for being ministers, for being useful in the kingdom of God, for being, being, um, having gifts that the body of Christ needs and your communities need as they all need to hear the good news of Jesus. So let never let age, we all need to never let age hold us back in any way whether it's a feeling of being too young, which I know is the case for all of you, but for also for others who may be more mature in age, we are all called as ministers. And we get to train in godliness for his kingdoms and for his glory. The other, the other thing that, that might happen, the other perceived disqualifier, the thing that we can struggle with, is the thought or the feeling, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have a gift like that person. I can't talk like them or play, play and sing like Lucas or, or teach like Rick and Patty. Or, or I don't know everybody's giftings yet, but we all have giftings. God's given us those gifts. And if we look to um, verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have. Do not neglect the gift God's given you. And I want to tell all of you that. Do not neglect the gift and gifts God has given you. So Romans 12 says this, 4, four through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. So that to break that down, he's saying, we are the body of Christ. There's lots of different giftings in this room, and let's use them. I think of, I was talking with, um, somebody recently, a couple different people recently, about how we, and we, this is one of the strengths of Joy Christian Center, one of the things I love, and I saw it from the, day, the first day I, I stepped foot on, on the campus and among you all, is that you all are a family. You all are a family. Whether you're as close as you have been in the past, I don't know. I'm still getting, learning the, the congregational dynamics, the family dynamics, but you all are a family. And in a family, as I see it, everybody has a role, and everybody has a job, and everybody has a function. So if you think about like in a, in a house, we, we don't have kids yet, Lord willing, if, if he desires in the future, but when I think of a household with kids in the household, kids have responsibilities, they have jobs, they have their, their giftings of taking out the trash or of washing the dishes, right? Whatever it may be, they have their role. And we as a congregation are a family. We are a family and we all have gifts. And I want to tell you, as we are trained to equip the saints, 
we are called to use those gifts. And we're going we're gonna to start keeping each other accountable as the months go by to use the giftings we have because we need you. We need your gifts. We, we need them to thrive. You know, if you think of and the, the picture of, of Christ's body and, and the different parts is often used literally as Christ's body. It talks about Christ's body and how there's an ear, eyes, hands. If, if, we are, if you are not using and engaging your gift through and, and in the process of, of refining that gift through training in godliness, then part of our body here at, at Joy Christian Center is missing. So we need you. And we need the people that come too and learning what their gifts are and for them to use them as well. So do not neglect the gift that is given you. Don't let the, the, the enemy tell you you have nothing to offer because you do. And then the other one that we, all, we, might, we, might, we might think to ourselves, yeah, I'm kind of good at this, or I, I have this gift, or I want to do this thing. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to learn to preach. I want to teach a Bible study. I want to have a prayer group at my house, but I'm just not there yet. I'm not trained enough yet. I need to be more trained. And, and maybe that's true, and if, you, if that's true, let us know if you want more training on something. We want to, to provide and to help and to encourage and to, to build you up. But I love the fact that if we read in verse 6, we, we hear uh, implicit encouragement in regards to this, this idea of not feeling equipped enough. It says, verse 6 says, If you put these things before the, prof, before the brothers, I'm sorry, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. So this, this, this concept of being trained. We, are all, we all have gifts to use, and if you feel like you're, you need to refine your gift, then let's do that, but don't let that hold you back from ministry because I, I'm sure you've all heard of OJT, on-the-job training, well, there's such thing, and I'm making the, this acronym up, but the OMT, on mission training, on ministry training, that we learn as we go sometimes. Sometimes the best way to learn is to have somebody beside you, encouraging you, and give it a shot, and see, and see how God builds you up and trains you in that thing. So, so you are, you know, never let your age get in the way you do have something to offer, you do have gifts, and be ready to, to learn as you go, to, to put yourself out there. And the, the, the jumping back to last week, all of this has to be done as we abide in Jesus. Right? If we're training hard and we're not abiding in Jesus, it's for, it's for not. The fruit will not come, as, as we read last week in, in John 15. We can do nothing apart from abiding in Jesus. But in him, all things are possible. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we need to abide, and we need to train. We need to get, get to training. And we're going to do that as a body, and we're going to talk about that in weeks to come and months to come, and we're going to refine what that looks like for us as we learn to, to seek first, to equip one another, and then to go and to bring, and in that, in that um, training where we've been equipped, to bring that into our community. But before we finish up today, I want to talk about, as, as Paul paralleled the physical and the spiritual training, I started doing the same in my mind of, of how, how these two um, correlate, or how the parallel is um, con continues beyond what we read in the text. So how many, uh, by a raise of hands if you don't mind, enjoy exercising? That's, that's a lot, that's good. How many have done it at some point in your life for a period of time? Okay, so that's almost everybody, if not everybody. So I don't think what I'm about to say is going to be off the wall or hard to understand for you then. 
So, as I expressed, I used to really enjoy exercising, working out. And as I was thinking about that in regards to our training in godliness, I thought of these parallels, things about the gym, things about exercising that directly relate with us training in godliness. So for one, and we, we read this clearly about the intensity of, of training in godliness, is that it takes effort, right? It takes effort. And I want to say that it takes intentionality, right? If you've ever, especially if you're somebody that doesn't, even people that like going to the gym, sometimes you don't want to go, right? It's, and it takes an intentionality to say, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. Especially if we don't want to, it takes an extra intentionality to get there. So it's, it takes, um, we have to be intentional about training in godliness as we do for physical fitness. We have to be consistent, right? If you've ever tried to, to uh, get bigger muscles or lose weight or, or get your cholesterol down or whatever reason you're going to the gym, if you ever tried to do it going once a month, you realize it doesn't do a thing. It's a good um, thought. That's about uh, your muscles, your cholesterol. Nobody cares about once a month. It doesn't do anything. It has to be intentional. It has to be consistent. And then the other thing that, that, that's true of physical fitness and um, training and godliness is that it has to be intentional, consistent, and it has to be persistent. We have to be persistent. Because the reality is our schedule is going to change. Something at work is going to change. We're going to have a, a baby or a grandchild or something's going to come in the mix and throw us off. And we're going to be like, ah, I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time this year to go to the gym or whatever, you know. We have to be intentional, consistent, and persistent in our training in godliness. We have to be intentional, consistent, and persistent. That is where we will see godliness start welling up in us and transforming us to be more like Jesus when we're intentional, consistent, and persistent. It also takes energy, right? We, we, we read that the, the intensity of the training sounds, as Paul talks about it, sounds impossible. But what I, what I, as I was thinking about that, I thought about the runner's high. You, are you all familiar with the runner's high? It's this concept that as you run or exercise intensely, you, get, you start feeling this um, euphoria, this, 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 this positive feeling inside. And the reason for that is there's endorphins that get, start getting pumped through our body. I believe it's a hormone that starts getting pumped through our body, and it's, it's a feel-good chemical in our body. We feel good. And I thought about how we get a spiritual high as we seek God, because as we seek Him, we're drawing closer to Him. And as, and as we're abiding with Him, we're in His presence and in His peace, being rejuvenated and restored. Again, going back to the metaphor of the well. We're coming back to the living water that rejuvenates and restores and fills us up. So we get the runner, as we intensely seek God, we are rejuvenated so we don't burn out by his presence. Another thing is that progress takes time, right? If we expect to see progress, we have to push through and, again, be persistent through the times where we don't see progress or where, even where we plateau because we might be training in godliness and we've noticed some, some um, uh, progress, but then we're like, it's been a year. It's been years that I don't feel like I've grown. What do we do when we, when we, uh, for working out? If you've plateaued in exercising, you have to change up your, your uh, regiment, your, your training schedule. And sometimes we have to do that. We have to be like, oh, well, this worked for that season of my life. Maybe I have to tr change it up and, and, and um, think of new ideas of how to train. So don't, we, we need to push, pa push past and endure to see progress because it doesn't come quick. And we might need to train th change things up if we plateau. And then another thing is that all ages need it. And what I mean by that is 
it would be so great if we could work out for three years of our life and then have that for the rest of our life, just coast after that, right? And I think that some of us, regardless of our age, I've been walking with God for almost 20 years now, um, some people, some of us can think, well, I've read the Bible a lot. I'm good. I can just coast for the rest of my Christian walk. That is not the case. I often think of our, well, I'll just use to continue the, the analogy of physical fitness, right? If we work out for three years and we're strong or fit or healthy, and then we don't, we, to- we slowly and faster, unfortunately, than, <laughs> than we want, slowly get out of shape, lose the muscles, and, and it happens in our walk with God as well. And the reality is that the, the enemy who is looking to steal, steal, kill, and destroy is ready and waiting for us to leave our guards down and to stop training in godliness and to, 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 um, to uh, become weaker in our faith. Another one that I think is so important for us to hear So those of you who don't like going exercising as much, have you ever had a partner go with you? Have you ever noticed, or even those who who like it, how much better is it when you have somebody to go with you? Because for one, you know like, oh man, they're going to be there at this time and or here to pick me up and I got to get there. So it helps with being consistent, right? Helps with being consistent or persistent. Sometimes they're persistent on us, right? Um, What about the motivation factor? Um, I used to try to lift heavy weights. I never lifted real heavy, but I used to try. And it was so much better to have somebody there to be like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. It gives you that that extra ability to, to press further than you or, or heavier weight than you could do by yourself. And I want to say that when we have people by our side motivating us in our faith to train in godliness, to train in the gifts that we have, we, we're more likely to do it. We're more likely to get to pass the plateaus in our life and to grow in the things of Jesus, the things of Christ. And I, I, I remember, too, in, in, in lifting weights, um, there's a thing called a spotter when you're lifting weights. And um, let's say you're doing squats, just because it's easy for me to do here. So you have the weights, or no, yeah, if you have weights on your shoulders, and you lift the weights like this. And let's say you're trying to put more weights to go stronger, to get your legs stronger. A spotter might be one or two people, let's just say two for this analogy, or this metaphor, one on each side of the weights that are going to, when you're struggling, they're going to lift a little bit of the weight off so that you can strengthen your legs to get to where you can eventually lift that weight. And I want to say that in this walk, as we seek to to grow and to train in godliness, we are going to have times where the weight feels too heavy, where the weight feels too heavy for us for one reason or another, life, family, dynamics, work, whatever it may be. And we are going to need one another to spot us, to help us, to encourage us, to motivate us, and to get us through those difficult times. And then lastly, and and I would say most importantly, I've said this multiple times, but we need, in physical fitness, you need to rest. You need a recovery time. So if if you work out your, we'll just go with legs, if you work out your legs on Monday, you don't want to work them out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We need time to recover, and that's where we need one another, another area where we need one another to, to talk to and encourage us, but most importantly, that's where we need to abide. And in abiding, we are rejuvenated and rec- recover and restore ourselves so that we can train, continue to train. So now, pretty much done, just a couple questions. How can we train in godliness individually. Now, some of the obvious ones are engage God's word, um, engage prayer, um, um, fasting, you know, and we'll talk more about that as the, the, you know, in the future. Another question is, how can we train as a church? I think the, 
the, uh, the old saying, you know, you, you, can, you can give a person a fish if, if you want him to eat for today, but if you train him to fish, teach him to, tri- to fish, they're going to be able to eat for a lifetime. I, I believe as a training center, as we are called to equip the saints, as Joy Christian Center being a training center, we are called to teach people to fish. And what I mean by that is we don't want to just meet, feed everybody, and then have everybody leave fed but don't know how to feed anybody else. We need to teach people to fish and to teach people. And, and in, I'm not going to elaborate on a lot now because I'll do that in, in future weeks, but, but as we become equipped here, we're going to truly equip one another, not just feed one another the, the word a little bit, and, you know, because that's basically just being a well. That's being just a well where people come to, be, to drink of the living water, which is great, absolutely great part of who we are, to drink of the living water and then to go away restored, only to need to be restored in a week. And that's an important part of who we are. But we are going to be more than that. We are more than that as we train people up to be able to go into their communities and, and make disciples themselves and to feel confident that they're trained and able to do what God has for them. And I want to say, for 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, the second letter he sent to him, to fan, in the, fan into flame the gift that you have the gifts that you have. And I want to say that that's what we need to do as we, as we train ourselves in godliness. We need, we need to, by God's grace and by abiding in Him and by training one, with one another, fan into flame the gifts we have. Fan into flame the faith we have. Fan into flame the passions we have for one another, for the world, for Jesus, the, the passions He's given us, the callings He's given us. We need to fan these into flame. And remind ourselves that as we desire revival, I, I don't know if that's a word that's often in your, in your thoughts about what you want to see in the world or what you want to see at Joy Christian Center or in your community, but if we're thinking about, about Joy Christian Center being revived with, with the power and presence of God transforming us here and then doing the same in our communities, we need to remember that it doesn't start with anybody else except inside of us personally. And nobody can force you to train in godliness. It has to be our choice. And we need to remind ourselves that it's not just because we should, but it's because we serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Father who has adopted us to be his sons and daughters and loves us so much and loves the world so much that he wants us to train for ourselves, to grow in, in relationship with him, and to draw others to him. So Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful morning, this overcast morning. We thank you, Lord, that that you train us, that you've called us to train in godliness and to do it with an intensity that transforms us and the world around us. Lord, I know, and, and, and this is why there's no shame coming from me. I hope that that's the case because I know how hard it is sometimes and how easy it is to not train in godliness or to go through seasons where it's so hard to train in godliness. But I think as we understand more deeply, Lord, why we do it and what the, 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 the outcome is and, and, and how it can change our lives and change the world, I believe it helps us to want to do it. And sometimes it's just simply we need to be encouraged. And I hope today, Lord God, that that, that happened, that we, would, that we were encouraged, that I was encouraged, that everybody was encouraged. That there's nothing better in this life than to abide in you. That there's nothing better in this life than to be used by you for your kingdom purposes. There's nothing better in this life than to have a relationship close, closer and closer to you and with you. So train us, God. Train us to be a training church, a training camp 
Train us to abide. Train us. Teach us to pray. Teach us to engage your word. Teach us to love one another in unity. Teach us to be a family that lives out the fruits of the Spirit and that the fruits fall into our communities, drawing people to you. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Amen.